0: Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, a Scaling AI Everywhere special. This podcast episode is sponsored by Intel. And to find out more about Intel, please click on the link in the description to learn more. Today's episode really encapsulates the vision to scale AI everywhere for business and societal benefit too and coming live right from the heart of the Intel Innovation event as well. What fantastic timing. And to dive into all the details on what's to come next, I could not think of a better guest to speak with. It's my pleasure to welcome Wei Li, Vice President and General Manager of Artificial Intelligence and Analytics at the Intel Corporation. Welcome, Wei.
1: Thank you, Sally. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Really looking forward to our conversation today. And kind of following on from my brief introduction there, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you, You know, the person behind the technology. I'd love if you could share a little bit more about the work that you're doing at Intel and how you got there, how you got to that role. I really think it could inspire a lot of people.
1: Yes, definitely. So I'm uh, very fortunate to lead AI and analytics at Intel and I have a group of magicians, and I would like to tell people we do magic. So magic means we go for goals that seems impossible, and our magicians will make it happen, actually. And the magic means in the past few years, we have uh, reduced the AI inference latency from seconds to milliseconds, and the AI training time from days to hours. And and, uh, you know, and magic means we're making AI accessible by anyone and uh, we're enabling AI uh, everywhere. Uh, so, so you ask about myself, you know, for me personally, I always like uh, uh, innovation and uh, staying at the cutting edge of the technological change. And it, it's great to be a computer technologist uh, today. So when I was a graduate student you know, many years ago, I worked on uh, supercomputers. And today we work on making computers run fast for AI problems. As you know, AI problems tend to be uh, very computational intensive. So it's a, it's a tough, challenging technical problem to solve, but we all like tough problems to, to solve, right? Uh, and, and so AI is successful today. You know, one big reason for AI success is because the computers are getting, getting so fast and we can process large amount of data so it is it is uh, truly truly exciting. you know, I just want to add one more thing here. I just came back from Dubai. I was in Dubai last week, uh, where I give a uh, invited talk at a uh, big tech show called Jitex. Uh, it is one of the largest uh, tech shows uh, in the world, and it was so great to see Real physical people, you know, instead of a virtual people, right? And, and you know that they, they were demonstrating the latest technologies. And on top of this, Dubai, you know, is a amazing city. I mean, I just find out that was my first trip to Dubai. It was like 20 years ago. It was still a desert, and today it has world's tallest building, you know, Burj Khalifa, the tallest building, and endless skyscrapers right so when i think about ai you know ai today is already more than a desert right and, and ai tomorrow will be really anything we can imagine so so it's it's really up to us to to uh, create ai uh, everywhere here
0: I love that. What what a great example! I was kind of down the road from you in many respects. I was in Abu Dhabi for the World Policy Conference, and I heard about your session all about AI for good and scalability. So I love that. So very very kind of shared thinking on that one, I think. And, and what a great analogy about where you can come to that twenty year example with Dubai's innovation, but also that art of magic. I love that. I well, I'm going to use that example. It's fantastic <laughs> and encourage people into the sector as well. They're showing what you can achieve, what you can build with technology. I think it's a, it's a great example of the dynamism yeah. of the space and what you can achieve. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just so amazing. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. And kind of drilling in a little bit into the agenda of everything that's been happening at the Intel Innovation Event, one of the standout sessions for me was the one, the fast path to scale AI everywhere. Um, and really for me, what came to the fore was how to clear that path for AI. So there's four central pillars that have been spoken about. So scalability productivity, performance, and also innovation. I'd love it if we could kind of walk through those in turn. I think they're so, so important. And maybe we can look at how Intel is addressing those challenges. So maybe starting with the sustainability one.
1: Yeah, so, so so uh, you know, that's, as you mentioned, these are the four pick pillars uh, uh, for AI uh, at Intel. And, and uh, on the scalability side, scalability, you know, has uh, many different aspects to this, right? So let me just mention one thing. So we, we talk about AI everywhere and, and uh, you know, uh, intel really is in the best position to achieve the goal of ai everywhere and that's because intel if you think about intel intel silicon is everywhere today already right so when you have a data center you have most likely intel inside right so when you have a cloud most likely you have intel inside and if you have you know i have a laptop here most likely actually it is you know i know my laptop has a intel inside right so so if we can make Intel Silicon Smart, and plus we have all the smart software on top of this. We can really get AI everywhere. You know, AI for everyone to, to, to use here. And, and today we can quite often we run AI in the data center and, and the cloud. And but today we actually announced during the Intel On session just you know a few minutes before this, we announced a data science PC. And so with with data science PC you can process large amount of data already because even on the PC side, the amount of compute is also increasing and the amount of memory, particularly with persistent memory. So you can handle you know, a lot of data o- over there already. So, so, so you know, Intel is well positioned to get to uh, AI everywhere. And I just want to give you one example here. So when we talk about uh, scalability a- and the other aspect of scalability is you can process a large amount of data. So one example actually was also mentioned at the Intel on is uh, you know my team worked with a Mastercard, and I'm sure you all heard about Mastercard. You probably carry one of the Mastercards uh, as well, right? So 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 they created new AI services for their card issuers. So they can they can serve the card issuers can serve their customer base, which is actually 1.6 billion, you know, global card holders right so when I think about the number 1.6 billion people and uh, uh you know I lost track of how many what is the world population right it's it's uh, it's, it's only in the billions right so, so you talk you're covering a pretty large number of people here and the, the way to train their models they, they actually are able to uh, include multiple deep learning models inside these AI services and the way to train this is they manage to leverage you know use hundreds of billions of records, right? So, so, so in the past, we think about millions, you know, these are already big numbers, but we're talking about billions, we're talking about hundreds of billions of these records. So, so really it is getting bigger and bigger. And, and then the last thing I want to mention on the internal scalability is AI is evolving. You know, when, when the, uh, Six, seven years ago, when we started on AI side, the, the breakthrough for deep learning was finally, AI was able to recognize cats and dogs you know, much better than humans. That that was a breakthrough, right? And so so it started on the computer vision side, but over the past few years, you have seen a lot of variety of AI uh, usages and, and, you know, come all the way from computer vision to natural language processing. I mean, you know, we can, you can, you can talk to AI nowadays, right? And actually I was in the conference, you know, about a year or two ago, at that time it was still live before the pandemic. During the conference, they had simultaneous translation, right? Real-time, translation uh, uh, um, and and it was was a pretty pretty decent uh, and, and then nowadays wherever you go you, you do on internet you get a lot of recommendations right so these are the recommendation engines behind all these things and just just everywhere it's it's per, per, pervasive and and you know I also got a chance to talk to uh, work with uh, some startups and they're they're working on graph analytics uh, to for for drug discovery drug discovery i mean using in you know, the graph neural networks for drug, drug discovery. So there's all kinds of things going on. So, so in terms of scalability, it's gonna be everywhere people can use it. Uh, it's gonna be you know, large amount of data people can process, and it's gonna be all kind of AI applications you can you can do, uh, simply because we have evolved in the past uh, past couple of years. And Intel as a, a, a scale company, right? I mean, we are a big company. And, and you know we we are we can really do all all of these things. I mean that's the advantage of of inside a big company versus small startup. You can really do big things, right? Uh.
0: Absolutely. It's that making that magic happen, isn't it? And I love the way as well, you know, you kind of talk about that leadership position there and that ability to do more. I love the fact that I think Intel's really using that sphere of influence in a very positive way. I mean, you mentioned examples there around for business, you know, with MasterCard, but equally supporting a lot of those social impact endeavors as well, things like yeah, the HPC yeah. Consortium for healthcare, all sorts of different examples there. So it's right across the spectrum of impact. So that's the scal- scalability made real, wasn't it, for, for shared value benefits? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So I'd love to dive into these other three pillars that we were talking about as well. So perhaps next on the list, we could look at the role of productivity and that critical role in, in scaling AI everywhere.
1: Yeah, so productivity is super important because you know we we are in the Intel on when when our CEO Pat uh, talk about uh, developer first, right? So we want to make sure developers are happy. I mean, developer can develop whatever they want to do, you know, easily on on our platform. And and uh, when I think about productivity, the, the different different aspects to this uh, as well. So one is um, you know if we want to help people. Develop things on Intel platforms easily, so, so they don't have to rewrite their code, they, you know, restructure their things, and all that stuff, right? So, so part of this is is uh, we want to embrace the the broad uh, software ecosystem, right? Intel is big, but you know, but but we have a big e- software ecosystem running on top of in, uh, on top of Intel. So we have the popular AI frameworks running on Intel already. For example. You know, TensorFlow is probably the the most, the number one most popular uh, uh, framework uh, for for deep learning, right? PyTorch, you know, MXNet, all all these things you can you can name from the deep learning side. And beyond deep learning, there also the classical machine learning like Scikit-Learn or XGBoost, And, and these are these are all very popular. Uh, you know when we talk about downloads it's a huge number in terms of in terms of downloads right and all the way to data analytics you know we have a spark and all these things so so part of what we do today is we want to make sure all these things run well on intel platform and people can just use it seamlessly right because you, you you may be using tensorflow already now if you want to run tensorflow on intel you use the same tensorflow Nothing. You, know, you don't change anything, right? So, so that's part of the productivity is to seamless, right? And then the other part is we want to do more than that, right? We want to do more than because there, there, there are new things happening at, at, you know for AI and there's new tools we are developing to to do these things here. So, so one example here is you know our hardware has added new features. Uh, for example, uh, traditionally on deep learning, you use something like uh, uh thirty two bit. You yeah, use thirty-two bit to do to do computation. And Intel added, you know, uh, integer eight, the so eight bit uh, computation inside inside the inside the processor, right? And, and you can imagine between thirty-two bit and in eight bit, the eight bit version will be much faster, because right? <laughs> in the four times smaller, right? So so if you can make that happen, it will it will be it will be great, right? Now Traditionally, the way the way conventional way of doing this is, it takes uh, quite a bit of manual effort to to convert a model in thirty two bit to uh, to in, to eight bit, right? So it, it can be done, but it is it is quite a bit of work. People have to think in terms of mathematically how do you represent your thirty two bit computation using eight bit, and how do you make sure once you have changed the model, uh, your, your your model is still accurate, right? Because you don't want to make something run fast and uh, you know it's it's wrong right that's not that's not good <laughs> okay so you want to win it with certain accuracy so that process it was not a trivial process so so that's what we did we created a new tool uh, you know it's it's called intel neural compressor so with that tool we actually automate the process to to try things automatically to to do data to do calibration automatically so from user perspective you don't have to write code anymore you don't have to write you know a lot of code you all you need is working with a GUI and you click on the GUI and then within you know minutes uh, these things are done right so so this is this is pretty pretty amazing and and uh, you know we have uh, a lot of people adopting you know getting it's a new tool is getting adopted Quite a bit already from the from the big CSPs, cloud service providers, from from the end customers, uh, like uh, you know the research institution, like uh, CERN. You're based in Europe, right? Uh, CERN it is a so well known research institution, and they do you know high energy physics. You know, I'm only a computer scientist. I don't know I don't know much yeah. about about physics, but it's all, all the fancy stuff they're doing in simulation and all these things, and they want to use AI to speed up simulation. So with a tool like this, it can help them speed things up. And uh, the productivity gain we get out of these tools, out of the you know, uh, Intel uh, neural compressor is more than 10x, right? It's more than 10x productivity gain, and at the same time, you're getting performance out of it. So, so these are the, the, the variety of things we're doing here for the productivity side, you know, both in terms of making sure that the current ecosystem software is doing well, and we're adding new tools. Uh, to improve productivity that way.
0: I love that. I also love the fact those tools are kind of democratizing access in many ways to be able to redefine the capabilities you need as well. The GUI you mentioned and things like that as well. So I love that particular aspect of that as well. Fantastic examples right across the board that way. Thank you very much. And perhaps we can move on now to look at performance. I was literally just seeing a world record being broken, actually, right at the heart of the Intel Innovation event, which is fantastic, all around overclocking. So that's one example of performance. But I'd love to kind of explore that around its role in terms of the scaling of AI too.
1: Yeah, so, so performance is, uh, is, is, the, uh, is the foundation for all of us, right? It's, it's foundation. In, in a, we are a company, uh, uh, we deliver all, all the computer platforms, right? And uh, the way we compete, it's, it's a race, it's arm race today, which is who gets the better, better performance and who can deliver the performance in the per- pervasive fashion where everybody can can uh, benefit from this, right? And, and in particular, on the AI side, as I mentioned earlier, AI is very compute, computationally uh, intensive right? Uh, it takes a lot of flops to do things and people talking about, you know, petaflop, flop, and, and all these num- big numbers you throw out there, you know, 10 to the whatever big number or, or over there, right? So so, so these things, the, the problems are getting bigger and bigger, you know, models are getting bigger and bigger. And the one example I, I've been using for a while is, is within natural language processing, that the model size in terms of number parameter used to be, you know, five years ago it used to be less than 100 million, right? I mean, even 100 million is not a Small number, <laughs> but uh, but over time, you know, got improved, change, in, got changed to, to, to billions, and now it's getting to be trillion, right? So so these are all very not large numbers here, and, and then as a result, uh, as an a industry, we all try to accelerate, right, in, in different ways. So 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 you know we are we do both hardware and, and the software, and on on the, on the hardware side, there's a lot of companies trying to do hardware acceleration. And from the big companies like us, all the way to startups, right? So many, many startups doing this stuff uh, as well. So when I think about hardware acceleration, there's really sort of three different categories, right? So there's there's one category, you know, I I would say CPU, general purpose uh, CPU with hardware acceleration for AI. And then the second category is GPU uh, with with a a lot of compute for for AI. And then the last category is the the dedicated uh, uh, purpose-built uh, accelerators for AI only, right? These are not; these are they cannot run other applications, but they can run AI. You know, the the convolution very fast and all these things. And Intel is investing in all three of them, right? Because we we don't we don't really know. I mean, there, there are trade-offs. Some you know, in some cases, one is better than the others. It, there's no clear winner today. If somebody can say, oh all I need to do is this, right? So, so, so again, like a, we are a big company, we can actually afford to do all three of them and we are doing all three of them here. On the CPU side, we have added new instructions and for integer eight I already mentioned, and then our next generation, uh, Sapphire Rapids, we add something called AMX, uh, which actually does matrix computation. So, so imagine doing matrix computation inside the hardware uh, uh, directly. And then we also have the GPU side. You know, on, on GPU side, a couple of months ago, we had the uh, Intel architecture day. And, and you know, our team worked on this and we de- actually demonstrate very good performance uh, you know, in, on, the, on the pre-production uh, hardware for, for GPU. Uh, and then on the on the purpose-built accelerator, there's there a great news also. So so Havana Intel acquired a couple of years ago. So so it was yesterday, right? Which it was announcement came out yesterday. You know they became live on Amazon, right? People can actually use it use it on Amazon. So so we are making progress in all uh, three fronts from the from the hardware perspective. Now the other thing I want to mention here is actually software, right? The hardware alone is uh, is uh, not sufficient, right? Because you know because uh, the way I want to think about this is, uh, you know, particularly during pandemic. One of the, one of the benefits of pandemic uh, is uh, I actually got to pick up biking. Uh, so it, it, you know, I got a chance because I work from home, and during lunch time, I just go out do you know half hour quick biking. Uh, I actually live next to Stanford, so it's going around Stanford is, It was beautiful to do uh, to do biking biking over there, right? So when I think about biking you know people have different kind of bikes right they have uh, road bikes faster bike than, than the the uh, you know the bike you use for for city travel right but bike alone is not sufficient you need uh, learn the hard way actually you need a better bike uh, not only better bike but also better biker as well <laughs> to compete right and so so in the same fashion you know the hardware acceleration for ai is necessary but it's not sufficient. You need a software on top of this. So, so a couple of uh, uh, weeks ago, I wrote an article on uh, VentureBeat. I introduced the notion of software AI accelerator, right? And I think about this is like a biker, you know, software AI accelerator. And they will optimize the software on top of, of the, of the hard, accelerated hardware. And you can get huge performance gains, right? So imagine a biker can improve performance by 10x right so if you if you improve by 10x if i can improve my biking by 10x i can win tour de france very very easily <laughs> right and and uh, you know if i can improve can improve my biking by 100x then i can you know can be flying as a supersonic jet right so, so it, is, it is huge difference and that's what we're getting on software today so software can improve performance by 10x by 100x so these are all sort of huge numbers we can we can do on on the south side so performance is is very important and uh, uh, and we've been improving performance in these different libraries that I mentioned earlier right uh, uh, so so one example here is um, uh, Amazon so Amazon has a a, a project called Auto Gruang. Which, which is doing uh, auto ML, right? So you do, you try to automatically create, uh, pick the right the ML algorithms and all that stuff. And, and uh, so they picked one of the slowest algorithms from, from the you know, set of algorithms they're they doing auto ML on and they, and they use our library. So use our Intel extension for scikit-learn. So they, they turn the slowest algorithm into the fastest algorithm right because simply because they use the optimized library you know scikit learn library we have here and and these things will have a direct impact on the quality of these models because when you do auto machine learning uh, when you do things fast you can pick the right algorithm and uh, you know you can increase your accuracy also so there's a, a lot of implication in terms of better performance all the way to better quality of your machine models
0: fantastic I love that and thank you for bringing both perspectives to the fore there you know of course hardware the software the software play you mentioned there equally as important as well. So I think that's fascinating. And I, I love your example about the biking as well. I hope I can take, I'm, I'm kind of trying to do a charity Everest climb next year. So maybe I can take some of that performance and increase into my journey towards <laughs> doing that as well. That would that would be much helpful. Thank you. That's brilliant. And it kind of leads us onto that fourth pillar uh, of some of the news we've been discussing so far. And that's the role of innovation. So I'd love to just drill into that final piece in terms of that enablement, really, of innovation to advancing AI as well
1: yeah so so AI is all about innovation right so as i mentioned you know, i've been i've been doing innovation all my career it's that's a fun part of the job is you can you can work on new stuff you can work on the cutting edge stuff right and the uh so the one thing i already mentioned the in intel neural uh compressor is is one of the innovative uh projects uh, we we created, you know, we, p- people and my team looked at uh, this. They say, hey, why do we do something new here? So that that's that 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 was a that's a new new uh, new project. And, and the other thing I want to mention here is, you know, the AI continue to evolve, right? There's many different uh, opportunities, and the, one of the things I care about a lot is is uh, applying AI in healthcare, right? Uh, and uh, so 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 once you have in in the in domain of healthcare you know data privacy is very important and the security is very important and, and all these things so so part of uh, what intel has done so we, we have intel labs you know they uh, they put all continue to push the boundaries of ai also so they have created something for you know for federated learning and as as you know all you know uh data privacy is important and federal learning is a new new approach to 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 uh, to move basically move your uh, modeling activity closer to data uh, instead of moving your data to models, right? And, and uh, so so Intel created developed this uh, uh, OpenFL, which stands for Open uh, Federal Learning. Uh, that is a a Python uh, open source framework uh, for federal learning, and and that's you know that's. Very uh, interesting. We're facilitating uh, the advancement of uh, federal learning there. And then, in addition to software side, we also Intel also has uh, uh, hardware features uh, for security, right? And you may have heard about the SGX, you know, software uh, guard extension, and, and uh, that that give you the capability for running a piece of code and data inside you know, secure enclaves, right? With when you're inside secure enclaves. Data and the code are protected. Nobody can, no, you know, it's, it's building inside, inside hardware, so software cannot get into it, right? Uh, uh, so so there, that's the advantage of doing both software and hardware together uh, to get to preserve uh, privacy and the security here. So this is an example of the innovation, and there was a lot of other stuff going on, and there's a no shortage of uh, of uh, opportunities uh, to do to do innovation inside AI here.
0: Absolutely. It's almost like a pick and mix. It's hard to know which one to pick, I think, in terms of the <laughs> innovation yeah. we've seen. Absolutely. I, I totally understand that. And also, yeah. you know, the culture that supports that innovation as well, the opportunity for skill development and outreach as well. I've been super impressed by those examples too. So all of those things coming together, it's always that combination, isn't it, with technology, process, culture, shared values and skills all coming together as one. So fantastic. I love those examples. Yeah. Thank you. Man. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And another thing that um, I noticed from a couple of the guest kind of sessions that we saw as well, where some collaborators were brought into discussions, I love that. Um, and there was quite a lot of discussion around AI workflow and the key stages that were involved in that. I'd love your takes reflecting on that a little bit more about model-centric and data-centric approaches to AI. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a very interesting topic because when you hear in in the news, people tend to talk about model, right? Because that's sort of the the exciting part. You know, we have deep learning, we have this uh, neural network going on, and, and all these things. Uh, and but but when you when I talk to customers, talk to people who are actually developing these things, and, and uh, it, it really it is a end to end process, right? Because people it's it's uh, you know people have data, they have you had the Mastercard case, you know we have hundred billions of of records and so on. so people have a lot of data, and then they want they just want to get model developed and deployed in, in applications, right? So really it is starting from data, right? So it, it's actually end-to-end process from data all the way to, to deployment. And that's very different from thinking about modeling uh, alone. And uh, so, so, so today, you know, majority of Data is actually on Intel servers, right? Because that's what we've been we've been in the server business for for a long time. So so most of our stuff is uh, data is actually on Intel server. And on the application side, major, pretty much every application can run on Intel CPU, right? because it is the nature of of the general purpose uh, uh, system we have here, so we have all the applications, with all the all the uh, all the uh, data, and then people are we are developing a lot of capabilities for modeling part uh, as well. So so we cover end to end from one uh, to the to the other. Now on, on the on the software side, uh, we're we doing two things here? So one is uh, uh, we want to make sure every stage of the pipeline you have the optimized software, you know, libraries to support uh, 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 all of these, right? So when people, I mentioned, you know, data analytics, machine learning, deep learning, and so on, and we have TensorFlow, PyTorch, Moden, Spark, all these. So we're optimizing all of these things here. So so for each component, we want to make sure they they are well optimized, and particularly for our platforms, when people use run the end to end pipeline, you know, individually, uh, component wise, it's all doing well on the platform. Now on top of this, we're also you know talking about innovation, right? So we're also creating new tools to tie all these things together. So so we have a um, the Mastercard case we talk about. Uh, uh, we have a tool called BigDL, actually it used to be called Analytics Zoo. So sometimes you may hear both names, Analytics Zoo and uh, and BigDL, and and it's an open source project also. So that particular tool allows the user to to work in the same environment from end to end. You start from data, model deployment, you stay with the same environment, and that makes the development much easier and also make the data movement much easier so you don't have to you know copy your data to another place and do modeling and then copy the stuff back and do deployment right you don't you don't have to break the 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 pipeline you actually have a seamless pipeline doing all that stuff and and that has been used by um, uh, many users so we talk about in mastercard we talk about you know Burger King we talk about other companies like sk telecom uh, in uh, in, uh, in 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 South Korea right so there are many people doing doing uh, doing these things and we continue to move up the software stack to to make it you know make it to, to do the end-to-end much more easily and in a more, much productive fashion. So this so tied to the productivity we just talked about earlier, right? Make it easy. So we're adding multiple features, sort of domain-specific features to this as well. So one of the features, you know, we talk about security. So, so PPML, so privacy preserving machine learning, right? So we're adding that in, in that tool as, as well. So people when people try to get security, you, know, you just interact with our tool and, 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 and go from there. And we're adding other things like um, special APIs for time series, right? So time series as a, as a AI domain is, is getting more and more used, right? So so a lot of applications lot of application turn out to be time series problems, right? So the the, uh, the networking example I mentioned earlier, SK Telecom is a, is a is a time series problem, and if you you know if you care about Wall Street, right? <laughs> if you talk about financial trading and all these, a lot of these the data is all time series data, right? So a lot of things you can do in a more easier way inside a toolkit like this to do an end to end uh, solution here.
0: Fantastic. Such a, such a range of examples there. That's brilliant. I love that kind of embedding that layer in of different functionality and features and making it more seamless, as you were saying there. Um, but the embedding security, for example, I could go on and on. That's fantastic. Such a range. That's brilliant. I love that. And it kind of brings to the fore as well. You mentioned collaboration a little bit there as well, because we've got this combination you know, tech innovation we've been talking about. Fantastic examples of that, but also the power of partnership to make things happen as well. So I'd love to hear a little bit more around that side of everything that Intel's doing in terms of the AIR partnerships you've you fostered and collaborations within the broader community as well.
1: Yeah. So, so you know, we, one of the key goals for Intel is, is, uh, is open. We do a lot of things in, in open source and, you know, Pretty much everything I mentioned so far is all open source projects that so we created. Under the Big DL, it's open source project. We created the Intel Neural uh, uh, Processor; it's a, a open source project, and another project, uh, you know, is OpenVINO, which which is a a customized uh, inference engine. On Intel platforms, and that's also open source projects. Right? So there's a lot of open source projects going on here, and we we work with uh, many different partners, right? So so quite often we contribute to the open source uh, community, and, and uh, for example, you know we talk about TensorFlow, right? Google uh, created such a successful framework, you know TensorFlow, which has a huge number of downloads every year, and so on. So we what we've been doing here is we when we make these changes. And we actually upstream, uh, you know, contribute to the to the mainline uh, TensorFlow uh, repo- repository, right? And uh, and then, in addition, we also work with Google closely. Uh, to to improve tensorflow you know, in, in general right uh, and this was mentioned in the in the intel as well so 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 you know tensorflow is evolving as well tensorflow wanted to uh, to be able to support multiple accelerators right different kind of accelerator in some kind of uh, some kind of modular fashion right and, and the, the intel is so one of these architects in, in my team you know he made a proposal a few proposals uh, to google and together between team and google eventually they co architect uh, the uh, the what, what they call pluggable device mechanism right and with the mechanism you can actually seamlessly support multiple ai hardware accelerators and without without any change uh, to the, to the TensorFlow code. So that's amazing. I mean, that, may, that enables TensorFlow to support and so the many different new devices. So we benefit from this as well, because we, we do our accelerators like the GPU, right? So, so we are building actually, my team works on both CPU and GPU side. So, so on the GPU side, we are using that mechanism to support our GPU. And not only Intel, but also the india industry. You know, the other companies have adopted this particular mechanism to support their uh, accelerator as well. So, so, so we are doing both. We are contributing to it, which which are optimized for our platform, but also making making contribution which will be good for the overall ecosystem, right? So that's on the on tensor side. Not the other example I want to give here is um, Python, Python ecosystem, as you can imagine, Python is the language, right? For data science and for AI and all the things people have uh, created, these are all actually within the Python environment. And and in the, uh, so the good thing about Python environment is being, evolving quickly right it's been changing quickly and, and the downside is when you things change quickly they, they sort of fragment it right and, and so that makes it hard for people to leverage all of these innovations together because they are not you know they're not very coordinated because everyone you know, does it their own thing here right so 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 intel actually is one of the founding members to try to to create a so we actually create a consortium so create a consortium uh, called you know, uh, Python Data API Consortium, and uh, and with that consortium between Intel and a few other companies, we try to design the same uh, APIs so people so different things can interoperate uh, together, right? So that so, so eventually makes it easy for developers to to work on these things in the uh, Python environment. Uh, so, so this is you know, another example of how we are participating, and not only participating, and sometimes we take a leadership position to to push the change in the in the in the industry.
0: Uh, fantastic! I love that. And I love the, the shared value aspect of that as well, in terms of that giving back to community, advancing things forward, um, but everyone benefits from that in the ecosystem. I love that. And two great examples there. I think with TensorFlow and Python. Python's one I use myself a lot with my kind of data science research. They're fantastic! That's yeah, brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it kind of brings me on to another area and one that I know we have a great shared interest about, which is really kind of all things tech for good, um, but in particular, how we can harness and apply AI as a force for good. And you mentioned right at the top as well, you know, the keynote you did in Dubai recently that was very much on this subject area as well. And I'd love to kind of share your perspective on that. Again, it's something that's resonated across Intel On I think that commitment there. But what would you love to share about some AI for good in action, for example, and the scalability of that, and maybe drawing on healthcare? Cause I know that's an area of great interest for you as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so let me just take the as as you as you mentioned, we are we're involved in a in variety of things on on the AI AI for good, uh, and uh, healthcare is you know is a great example because uh, you know because we are human beings here at the end you know we are more common than than uh, different, right? And uh, we share the same. You know, same challenges and, and all, all that. And so, one of the things Intel has been doing is uh, working with University of Pennsylvania. I want to mention that University of Pennsylvania has a medical school, and they started a uh, federal tumor segmentation initiative. And uh, as part of, you know, try to try to figure out where where tumors are and and all that. And their initiative is is involved. Many, many uh, hospitals and uh, uh, healthcare institutions around the world, right? Uh, and so it's, it's, it's an international effort. And as you can imagine, when you do it across such boundary, there are a lot of you know privacy issues and all these things. And that's where you know, it is tied back to the, the federal learning I talked about earlier. It is a great example of federal learning. And so, so you want to make sure the uh, physicians in different hospitals around the world can benefit from the, the better model you created by doing this uh, collaborative effort. Because through collaboration, you can get a much better quality. So they are paper published, so, you know, you can, you know, you're doing, combining different efforts with different models. So you you merge these things and the, the quality is much better than you do each, each person doing this individually in their hospitals, right? So it is a value there. And then it can also ship it, you know, to different uh, around the world. People can actually benefit from this. So, so this is a, Great example uh, about, uh, so on the medical side, there is many, many different uh, ways of uh, getting AI benefit. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was uh, working with uh, some startup as well. You know, a, so on the drug discovery side, it's amazing uh, how much, you know, the more I learn about uh, uh, the drug discovery, the more I think you know, AI can help here because uh, the drug discovery process is uh, not quite efficient. And also, there are a lot of unknowns. I mean, you're talking about you know sometimes a side effect for one particular drug, and sometimes maybe you know you you do clinical trial, you know something. But then there's also the the combination of drugs. How do you, how much you know about the the side effect coming out of the combination? And there's a lot of unknown over there. So makes sometimes makes me wonder a little bit nervous about taking taking medicines. Like oh, I don't even know the the side effect over there. And again, these these are the areas you know AI can. Uh, can certainly help here.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that rise of kind of personalized precision medicine will be a great example of that. I, I couldn't agree more strongly. Particularly after what we've all, you know, experienced over the last 18 months or so, brilliant examples. That's fantastic. And maybe now can we can look ahead a little bit as well? It'd be a great place to kind of go to now. It's that time of year as well, isn't it, when people are looking at predictions <laughs> about what comes next and they're starting to see them coming out already. Uh, We haven't even got to Halloween, Um, but I'd love to kind of take uh, your view on what's next—the advancement of AI, maybe over the next twelve to thirty-six months. That kind of time frame would be fantastic.
1: Yeah. So. Just so much change. I I think it's probably on one hand it's the prediction business is a little bit dicey business, particularly when things are changing so fast, right? Uh, and you know I can expect the technology to continue to change, right? When we look at three years ago, you know we were in certain state. Today it's it's already very. I mean I can you know easily talk about the the uh, the the exascale computation we have. You know how many flops we have in the machines and all these things. is these, these all sort of things you can imagine, right? but you know we'll come compared to what our overall goal our overall goal is actually we want to get ai everywhere and ai everywhere in my mind is, is is more than technology obviously technology is making things easier for for ai to be to be everywhere but but there's also the the people side of it yeah, which which is probably uh, you know very interesting because initially ai was only worked on by a uh, very special group of people, I and mean, a lot of people with PhDs in in AI, you know, who can work on these things, right? And uh, and then going forward, you know, in the next few years, I would imagine more and more people can can not only benefit using AI, but also can develop AI in some easier way, you know, with the with the combination of all the things we've been talking about so far, hardware, software, and so on, right? And and, uh, and then uh, um, you know, probably all the way to like high school students right so the way i want to think about this is is like i think in the, in the next few years ai will be the new calculus so ai will be new calculus like calculus in the in the old days was was uh, it was advanced thing right you have to go to college to learn calculus and today you know my kids went through high school here and, and uh, uh, you know they learn calculus in in, the, in high school right and, and so ai will be Pervasive will be pervasive. Will be taught in many different places, and 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 many people will feel comfortable about AI. It's no longer going to be this niche, advanced, you know, uh, ivory tower thing. It's going to be. It's going to be everywhere. Uh,
0: I love that. It's kind of that democratization to use, develop, apply AI uh, to create in many different ways. I love that. And you mentioned students there, and you've kind of teed up a little final question for me. So I'd love to draw an example from a presentation that you gave that I spotted recently. And it was a lovely story. And you were asking students for their aspirations for AI. And one of the answers that came back was doing my homework. I love that. It's so (laughs) honest. It's kids all over. It's brilliant. I love that. So maybe as our kind of final point of point of call for today, I wonder if you could share your personal aspiration for AI you know, for whatever time frame kind of fits your choosing on that. But I would just love to hear your final thoughts on where you'd like it to go
1: yeah so it's it's, uh, it's it's great you actually watched some of my previous uh, presentations also uh, so so thank you thank you for that you know I, i'm glad somebody actually took the time to watch my uh presentations there uh, and uh, yeah so it was a, it was an interesting uh, experience with the middle school students right so they they were their uh, their dream was to for ai to do homework for them right so when i when i look at my life uh it was interesting you know i spent majority of my days uh, in, the, in the Zoom or or team meetings, right? And uh, so so some of these meetings are very interesting, like the conversation we're having today, right here. These are interesting conversation, you know, it's good. We got to see each other on Zoom. It's, actually not, it's a different platform, but we got to see each other on a video uh, conference uh, conference here. But, you know, some other meetings are not that interesting, <laughs> but I end up forgetting, I have, have to go to these meetings. Right? So So my sort of a very basic, hope for AI is uh, maybe AI can someday go to meetings for me, right? It can free me up so I can do something, you know, creative, do something interesting, it's human interaction and uh, think something bigger. And instead of instead of spending all my time in meetings, and it's actually possible. So when I, this this conversation came up a few, if even a few weeks ago and people say, oh, can we demo something? I, I, I don't know if it's doable in next few weeks or not, but maybe longer than a few weeks, you know, can, can we, def- can we design something? Right? Can we design something? I guess all we need is, is an avatar. You know, it's like me talking to somebody in a meeting, and then that person can listen. Can uh, the, the avatar can listen? Can actually uh, maybe you know have some interesting expressions when something you know something fun happens, <laughs> and then then uh, it can actually do, probably do better than me. Can you know take notes better than me, right? And it can actually remember all the conversations. Uh, in in the meeting, right? So 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 that I think that would be cool for me personally. It would be offload me from you know from from many of the uh, the other meetings. Uh,
0: I love that. I th- I find that handy too. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. I mean, all the kind of speech um, technology developments recently as well. That you know, I think it's possible. I think we should patent it quickly. I think I, I, I'm <laughs> with you on that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Honestly, I, I can speak to your day, Way. Honestly, you've got so much fantastic depth and breadth of, of knowledge, um, but also so many wonderful stories that help bring that to life and make it accessible for people at the same time, which I think, you know, technology and education, they go hand in hand as far as I'm concerned. I think it's a great example of that in our conversation today. So thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today and for all your insights about scaling AI everywhere. Thank you, Wei. Thank you, Sally. My absolute pleasure. And thank you all for joining us as well. And I'll be sharing more about some of the links, some of the stories, some of the projects we discussed today with some extra links as well, so you can dive in deeper. Thanks so much, everyone. And look forward to joining on a new episode very soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.